We're tracing the decisions that gave us the housing situation we have in Austin today in Growth Machine, how Austin engineered its housing market. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios. I'm Fresh and you are now listening to The Breaks Podcast. These are highlights from our Saturday night hip-hop show on KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. My co-host Confucius Jones and I are native Austinites and we love talking hip-hop. Texas hip-hop, hip-hop history, and what's going on right now. And just so you know, the opinions expressed in the podcast are our own and do not necessarily reflect the position of KUTX Austin. It's 2024, so I kind of just want to run down what I'm looking forward to in the new year, whether it be the breaks, career-wise, music in general. I guess I'm going to kick it off, like I said at the top of the show, I'm looking forward to adding things to the breaks and giving you guys a better experience and growing the brand that is the breaks. Um, Everyone has been asking for video content. If, they, if we have video content or if it's just audio, we will be attempting to give you all video content in 2024. Can't say when, but I can say that it is and has been in the works. So I'm looking forward to that so y'all can really see when me and Confucius do go at it, how it really goes. <laughs> it is quite entertaining. Also, I think Confucius reads the news video-wise will get a better response from people when you get to see him do his daily show impression as far as music goes i'm just looking forward to as we say at the end of the year at the end of 2023 what the reset will be for rap music i think me and confucius mentioned one of our last shows that we feel like a reset is coming much like how rock and roll had a reset with grunge music from the big hair and glamour rock of the 80s i think Something is coming within rap that will kind of, I don't want to keep saying reset, but I think something's coming that will kind of put things back the way that people kind of want them to go when it comes to rap music. I think underground artists have shined brighter in the last few years from the Griseldas, the Currencies, the Larry Junes, the Rock Marcianos, the Boldy Jameses, the Earl Sweatshirts. I think a lot has been put on them. And shine brighter. I think that only gets bigger in 2024. Um, as we said, women aren't going to stop, but I do think you get a little more diversity out of women, whether it be the women who have a name start really pushing the more grounded songs, or you get more artists who are coming with a little bit more versatility with the raps. I think that continues and just comes really full force and full effect in 2024 i don't think much changes but i do think some things die down um i know a big thing in 2023 well i won't say a big thing but i will say i think one thing in 2023 that most people complained about was the violence in music while i don't think it stops i think it kind of takes a back seat to everything else 
I think the heavy, heavy street element. Drill, I really hope Drill goes away. Because after the video I saw with Fabio and the, the white rapper he signed, I I just think that yeah, it's time. It's time to wrap it up. I think somebody said, I think Joe Budden said that we had like another five years of Drill left to go. But I think 2024, maybe 2025 is the time we get New York Drill out of here. Because, boy, some of the stuff y'all are doing is just embarrassing. I'm embarrassed and I'm not even from New York. Contrary to what Confucius says. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to just whatever comes in rap that changes the landscape as it does, as the landscape does every few or couple of years in music period. It's going to be something that's going to change it. Maybe it is AI. Maybe AI really finally takes over. I know, I think it was Atlantic that tried that AI rapper, signing an AI rapper, and that didn't go really well. I just think they figured that we didn't they didn't plan that out properly but 2024 might be the year that and i think 2024 will be the year where rappers start using ai generated lyrics i think that's coming some people say it is already here i heard joe budden say he can tell when there is an ai generated verse he can tell when the, the rapper's voice is ai generated i can't really tell but if he can, shouts out to him. But I think we get to that point. And I think Kanye West is going to really usher that in. I really think it'll be Kanye. I'd see that being Kanye because I see Kanye doing that and then marketing it as this is just genius. See what I'm doing? Y'all not doing this, man. And I think he's think they're going to be the most profound lyrics if he hasn't already done it and just has not said anything. And I think he's going to spin it to say that. It is me writing. It's my thoughts. It's just formatting what I'm trying to say and getting out, which I think personally Kanye needs an AI generator to for his thoughts. Because, boy, if y'all still can't tell he's being manic. I don't know what to tell y'all, man. <laughs> his last little rant, he was he was rather manic. But in, that's neither here nor there, man. But, yeah, I, I think the landscape changes a bit in 2024. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what rap grows into as we enter the 51st year of the culture of hip hop. And I think the culture shines a little more brighter in hip hop. And for those who don't understand, hip hop is the culture. Rap is what you do. Rap is simply an aspect of the overarching culture of hip hop. There are four pillars of hip hop. There is graffiti, b-boying, which would also I classify as just dance, rap or MC and the DJ. Those are the four pillars of hip hop. And I think the culture shines a little more brighter. I think for the larger part of the last 50 years, it's been just the music being pushed forward. But I think the rest of it shines bright. We're all, I think towards the end of 2023, we already really saw dancing coming back. Now I'm not saying people are going to go back to break dancing, but you are seeing rappers do choreographed dancing and music videos and at their live shows. Offset's up there popping and locking on stage. T Grizzly had a whole dance routine in his last video. Confucius has said several times on here that Little Baby had choreography in his show, which I am dying to see. And I also know he hired Tiana Taylor as creative director for his last tour. And part of that was choreography. So I think... We get a little bit of the early 90s back. I think we get the dancing back into it 
into hip hop and into rap music. So I'm looking forward to that because I think it's fun. And I think if that happens, we see a, we see a big resurgence of Soldier Boy because we know Soldier Boy does that. We know, we know it. But uh, yeah, I think like, just like I said, I think the culture just shines a little bright. I think art comes through, pushes through a little more, a little more this year. Maybe not graffiti because graffiti hasn't really gone away. But I think the very visual artistic aspect of hip hop kind of comes through a bit more man and i hope and i hope it does because i think that that's kind of helped with kind of this quote-unquote decline of hip-hop the creativity all around has kind of just languished in the culture and i need that i need that and i think the culture period needs it to come back but uh those are things that i'm kind of looking forward to man in 2024 so with that being said Getting into the second topic, man, um, I really wish Confucius was here to discuss this one because I think he would have some great insight on it or views, I would say, and takes on it. For those who are unaware, the rapper Uncle Murder does a yearly recap every new year. And this year, his 2023 wrap-up was in three parts. He basically talks about all the big topics and big news and headlines that happen within rap throughout the year and one of those topics happened to be violence in hip-hop i think he brought up that how that no rapper in 2023 died from like violence and that was big so i think we all took that as a win i think those that did pass it wasn't violently like nobody was shot or anything like that people just happened to be sick man you know things happen natural causes natural causes there we go so it got me thinking and i think one thing that hip-hop as a culture needs is less of the streets now if you've followed hip-hop since its inception or at least since the 80s there's always been a street element in it whether it was street guys having the money to book an ll cool j for his first show or really book run dmc or all those guys in new york or they being the ones to have the money to start a label to sign an artist to help push them forward it's always been a quote-unquote street element within hip-hop but i think somewhere along the lines it became very overt and like it was the presence you just knew was there and you felt was there. And then I think everybody just ran to where well, these guys come from that environment. It's kind of hard to just let that go and, you know, live a different life when you've come from the streets and you've been a part of the streets. Yes, I understand that aspect. If you grew up in Los Angeles, in the greater Los Angeles area and you grew up around gangs or you were a gang banger. Yeah, I can see it being hard for you to just change that. But I also think you have to understand that. Now that you are signed to a major label and making money, that things kind of have to change and you can't carry yourself within the industry the way you carried yourself pre-industry. I just think that works. Um, Jeezy once told a story one time of how T.I. came to a studio or came to where he was one time and he was recording and he had all his money on the floor and T.I. was like, Yo, man, you can't do both. You can't be in the streets and be in the industry. You can't have one foot in and one foot out. It's not going to work like that. Like something is going to come ahead and the other shoe is going to drop and it's not going to be good. You have to pick one. And I think that's what hip hop is kind of missing is people just 
making a hard line in the sand and picking one side. You're either going to be in the street or you're either going to be a musician. And I think musician is the more lucrative side and less of a risk. But the gist of what I'm saying is, is that I think the element of the street in hip hop has just been so overtly that people continue to conduct themselves as if they are in the streets. So if there is a quote unquote rap beef, they handle it as if they were in the streets. And I think that's something that I think we all want to see less of. And I just want y'all to rap. Y'all are rappers. Once you step in the booth and you write your 16 and you record it and you release it, you are a rapper. I know Jay-Z did that whole line that I'm not a business. I'm a, not a businessman. I'm a businessman. And I'm not a rapper. I'm a hustler. He a rapper. And Jay-Z know he's a rapper. It was just cool to say. Y'all are rappers. Y'all rap. That is your job. Rap. If you got a problem with somebody, rap. All the social media stuff is fodder. That's cool. It's funny at times. But rap, man, rap. You don't have to handle this in a street capacity. You don't have to see somebody and swing on them. Now, if they swing on you or they try to cause harm to you, that's a totally different thing. At that point, it's self-defense. But when the initial issue is taken uh, or is, has happened, rap, man, just rap. If somebody, 21, I think recently before 2023 ended, 21 Savage and Kodak Black had a little tiff or whatever it was. And I think it sparked from 21 Savage saying that, man, I wash everybody or I rap better than everybody on the double XL cover that I was on, freshman cover that I was on. Kodak Black and just happened to be a part of that freshman class and he felt a way. And my response to that is rap. If a man says that he raps better than you, don't get on the internet making threats. You making threats doesn't prove anything. You getting on there talking big doesn't prove anything. He said he rap, he will wash all of y'all. So if you feel otherwise, then show it otherwise. Rap. I need y'all to get back to being rappers and rap. I need y'all to get back to that LL Cool J energy. If he had a problem with somebody or somebody had a problem with LL Cool J, they wasn't waiting until they got to New York to see LL Cool J to try to smack him. They got on a song and they rap. Of course, everybody that went at LL Cool J got devoured. Well, except for cannabis. Cannabis kind of, kind of got them. But yeah, man, rap. Just I need I need y'all to rap. I need rappers to be rappers. I understand there are artists who haven't made it big and haven't gotten a major label deal or haven't made the lucrative amount of money from their music so they are still out doing whatever it is they doing to kind of fund their life and their music i get that i totally get that but also keep in mind while you're out there doing whatever it is that you're doing you have now put yourself in a position to be a musician and be a rapper and you can't continue to do that if you are locked up you can't continue to do that if you are laid up in a hospital because you are still carrying on as if you are conducting yourself in the streets. And this is more so for once you really hit and get into the industry. Once you are in the industry and you are canoodling and rubbing shoulders with the label execs and the big stars and all of this, you are now in the industry, my friend. And you have to conduct yourself as if you are in the industry. I know y'all going to try to give me all of these other examples of people who have conducted themselves like they are maneuvering in the street like a 50 cent and i will say i've never seen 50 cent swing on anybody i know there have been some incidents young buck at the vibe awards 
and the stabbing. Yeah, and he reportedly also had to duck out and hide in Mexico too. So that's not really fun. He shot, I think he shot his video for like Buck the World in Mexico because he couldn't come back here and Mexico has no extradition. Fun fact. <laughs> um, but like 50 Cent talks a lot of trash, but he keeps it within the confines of music. Like he will make a song or he'll just be on social media cracking jokes. Like it's not, I don't think he takes it as that big a deal. And he realizes violence hinders my money and I like making money. So I can sit on the internet all day and crack a joke and laugh and talk my mess to somebody else. I don't ever like, it's not that serious for me, man. I'm not doing this to provoke a physical response from you. I'm just having fun. And this is, this drives attention toward me and my name and my brand and it's easy for me to promote now it's easy for me to promote what i have to promote toward these people because they are now paying attention i think people have to get into artists have to get into that mindset it's not that it's not that serious man rap beef isn't that serious and i know a lot of artists are like man i'm from the streets man it's you know i really know what beef is cool this ain't that keep pushing rap the gist of this is i just really need y'all to rap man i just really want y'all to just get back to rapping if you got a problem with somebody rap Nicki Minaj has a problem with practically nearly every woman in in the industry it seems like and you know what she does she talks a mess in interviews and all of that but she also raps she also raps if she has a problem with Cardi she throws a shot if she has a problem with Meg she throws a shot in a song she raps man she raps and I applaud her for just simply keeping it in the music, like I got a problem with you, you go, or you don't like me, I'm a rap about it. Just rap. Of all the flaws Nicki Minaj has, I applaud her on that one. Applaud her on that one. That's not really a flaw, but y'all know what I'm saying. Just rap, man. I think less streets, more music in 2024, and the culture and hip hop will be much better. Once again, like I said earlier, I don't think rapping about the streets goes away. That's going to continue to happen because that is that lifestyle is a reality and the things that put one into that position to be in that lifestyle are a real thing in this world specifically in this country so i don't think those things go away but i also don't think you're going to get a bunch of rappers who just are rapping about how well they rap but i think you get a little more creativity when you don't have to be so overtly violent in the music I hope that makes sense we're taking a quick break be right back we're tracing the decisions that gave us the housing situation we have in Austin today in growth machine how Austin engineered its housing market find it wherever you get your podcasts and now let's get into some hip hop facts, man. Segment won't be as long as it normally is because my cohort is not here. But I got some facts for you. I got some facts for you. So uh, my first fact, I did bring up Nicki Minaj in the last segment. So let's do a whole fact about her here. I brought up Nicki Minaj and 50 Cent. So uh, apparently Nicki Minaj was almost signed to 50 Cent's G unit, which makes sense because they're from the they're both from Queens and they're both from the same neighborhood in the borough of Queens, New York. They're both from Southside, Jamaica. But she didn't end up being signed because there was an issue with one of her older managers, which I believe at that time 
was Big Fendi. I'm unclear of what the issue was, but I could probably imagine. I've heard some things about Fendi before and about him managing Nicki Minaj and kind of the things that he was asking labels for at that time. And Genius is also part of Interscope. So I can believe Interscope, he probably asked something in Interscope, which is probably like, nah, we're not doing that. Like, she's not that big of a star. We are unaware of her stardom to be whatever it was. So I get that. Next up, rapper Scarface, who ended 2023 with one of the best Tiny Desk concert that was released in 2023. I think there was an event out in Houston celebrating 50 years of hip hop for Houston rap. Bum B was the host and I, I guess, um, what is the word? Moderator. And he asked Scarface about his early days. And Scarface went into detail about how before he was a rapper, he was a DJ who went by DJ Action. And Scarface says that he's still probably a better DJ than like 85% of the guys who DJ today. Which, if that's so, boy, I got to step it up. But I also, well, I didn't learn that Scarface played the guitar. I knew he played the guitar, but Tiny Desk did show his guitar playing skills. So, if you haven't checked out Scarface's Tiny Desk, I suggest you do so. It is beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for doing Man Cry. And lastly, my fact is about Diddy, who has been in the news a lot lately. Most Def, before being signed, was on this show, well... He was a part of this series in New York at New York's SOBs. They ended up getting a television show. I think that, if I remember correctly, aired on HBO. But this has nothing to do with the show being on HBO. He was a part of a show called Lyricist Lounge. And story goes that Q-Tip apparently was inviting everybody in the industry to see Most Dev, now known as Yasin Bey. How, forgive me for that. Forgive me. Forgive me for that, Yasin. But uh, Q-Tip was inviting everybody down to Lyricist Lounge to see Most Def to try to get him signed. And one of those people he invited was Diddy. Of course, at the time, going by Puff Daddy. And so apparently Most Def does his rendition of a children's story that is featured on the debut album for Black Star. And for those that are unaware, Yasin Bey's version of a children's story is about a producer who he feels like kind of doesn't really produce and does this lazy production and has kind of killed hip hop. And that producer he is talking about is Diddy. So imagine Diddy sitting in the audience being invited by Q-Tip. Then this guy, he was guy. He invited you to see perform to think about signing is doing a song that basically is insulting you. So that's what happened. And I heard Questlove talk about it, and he was like, yo, Most Def killed it. And he did an acapella, by the way. He was like, after he, he finished, you know, the crowd went crazy. Everybody was dapping each other up and laughing and, you know, cheering them on and giving them like a standing ovation. But meanwhile, there was Diddy sitting there not so happy about the things that were said about him. And, and Questlove says that afterwards, Yasin Bey, Q-Tip, and Diddy all were at another location, and they kind of hashed it out, and Diddy did the whole, you don't know, let me tell you about my life, let me tell you about this, waking up with the roaches on his faces and all of that, which I kind of don't think that was Diddy's life, but 
it makes good for when you trying to when you're mad at somebody and they and they ridiculing you or telling you that you kill hip hop and you talk about your struggle. So uh, we're going to dive on into unpopular opinion with Mawa. I kind of wanted to start the year off with a bang, with like this salacious hot take of an unpopular opinion, but I'm not going to really do that. But I have a good one. I have a good one. So towards the end of the year, we talked about Spotify rap and how what aspect of Spotify's rap is artists ridiculing other artists for sharing their Spotify numbers and claiming that mm, some of these these numbers are fake. These numbers not real. These numbers aren't accurate. And, you know, it just it just got me thinking about you know, Spotify and streaming services. And I can't, something else happened uh, at the end of 2023. Oh, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg came out and said that one of his, I think one of his royalty checks from Spotify was only like maybe $15,000 or something like, or like $40,000 or something like that for this song that had like billions of streams or millions of streams. And he was like, something not right, something not adding up. And, and Snoop has been on this whole wave of, like we need to see the numbers. We need to like, like, like y'all have to explain this to us because it's not adding up that I have a million streams and I'm only getting like maybe ten thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars off of this. It's not right. Which I do agree. I do agree. But I was having the same conversation when he did that. I was just like, well, you're not giving the money back. <laughs> like you feel this way, Snoop, but you're not giving that money back, and you're not denying a check from spotify you're not saying this is not adding up y'all owe me some more money y'all keep that till y'all can figure out how much money y'all owe me and other people were chiming in and were like well also snoop isn't accounting for publishing on on his music like snoop doesn't own 100 percent of the publishing on those songs you have to the producer has publishing on those songs whoever wrote the hook on that has publishing like everybody else like I guess like the $40,000 from, I guess, this one song, it has to be broken down to everybody that needs to be paid for their publishing on said song. So Snoop was kind of not being forthright with that is how people were framing it. And then once again, like I said, it got me thinking about streaming service and how it's funny that nobody ever complains about any other streaming service. Like you never hear people complain about their royalties and their payouts from a title or an Apple music or an Amazon or YouTube music or YouTube period. Like you never hear that. They only complain about Spotify, but I just sat back and I thought, well, nobody is turning down money from a streaming service. Like when it's time for you to get paid and it's time for your royalty check to be cut and royalty checks are paid quarterly. If I believe if I'm correct, I believe that's right. They are paid quarterly. So, Unpopular opinion, get straight to it, is streaming services are not evil. I know they are looked at as the big bad in the music industry. They are in bed with the labels or the labels are in bed with them. And they don't pay out the right amount. How can you have a million streams and then only make like $1,500? And I just say that's the cost of doing business. Spotify has dumped a lot of money into their platform one to push podcasts and to pay joe rogan because they have to pay him i think like some 300 million dollars was just it's crazy yeah he's the highest paid and most popular podcast which eh, whatever some people say numbers are being fudged over at on on streaming services but as i said you never hear about this from any other 
streaming services. Only Spotify. People only complain about Spotify. I've never heard anybody complain about their Amazon music payout. Never. Not one time. Maybe Amazon got it right or nobody just cares about their payout from Amazon music, which if I was an artist, I'd care about all my payouts from all the streaming platforms that I am on. It just never made sense to me. But like I said, the unpopular opinion is streaming services aren't evil. I just think that's just the cost of doing business. I think Spotify in particular looks at things as like, well, this is how much money we were putting in to this thing here on the platform. And then, yeah, your song has racked up all of these streams and a stream is worth however much it is over at Spotify. Nobody knows. I don't even know like when a stream counts because each platform is different. I think YouTube counts it right when you hit play like that's the stream it doesn't i think right when it hits one second that's the stream but apple music i think counts it at like a minute and a, or like 30 seconds and i think spotify counts the stream at like a minute and a half of the song being played so if your song is only a minute and a half then yeah cool but if you have like a three minute song your song isn't counted as a stream until halfway into the song i could be wrong about the timing but i believe every streaming platform counts what a stream is differently which i think is part of the issue nobody has like one metric of what a stream is and none of the streaming servers have one metric of how much a stream is cost each platform stream is worth i think a different amount from spotify to apple to youtube to title so yeah you're going to get a different payout but in spotify in particular i think they look at it like well you only own 25% of the publishing on this song. So yeah, of these billion streams, it's stream, you know, this is worth point, whatever, whatever, whatever of this. And this is how much you got because you own 25% of the publishing. If you own more of the publishing, your payout will be a little bit bigger. And also the producer and the other writers on this have to be paid out. And it was a sample. So you have to credit those artists who originally wrote the sample and they have to be paid because they also have publishing so i don't think artists are looking at it like that like with snoop the song that i can't remember the song that he was talking about but i believe it had a sample so once again that sample you have to credit the uh, original writers of the song and they have publishing and they need to be paid for the sample so like yeah you are going to end up with less than what you have unless you're like Sting, who clearly owns 100% of all his publishing, which is why he continues to take money from people who don't clear samples. Go read about Diddy and Juice World. But like, yeah, I, I don't think streaming services are inherently evil. I just think they are doing business as they see fit. And if you're somebody like Snoop or a veteran, somebody who has been in the industry as long as Snoop, you should know at this point that the music industry is shady. Tribe Called Quest put an entire rule. What is it? Rule 4080. Record executives are shady. Like, this is what it is. The labels are in bed with the streaming services, so the label needs to be paid off of the music that you do. They are entitled to some payment from the music that is being put out on there, and you got to have your cut. And like I said, the other writers, writers have to have their cut. The producer has to have their cut. So, no, you're not going to have a million dollars for a million streams because that's just not how the pie is sliced. And I think they all know that. I just think they all need 
kind of need something to complain about. But but I will say streaming is a bit unfair because as I said, each platform counts a stream differently. Each platform a stream is worth a different amount. So like yeah, that's unfair. It should be one uniform metric on what is a stream, meaning where a stream starts. If it's starting at one second, then it's starting at one second. If the entire song has to play through for it to be counted as a stream, then it should go like that across the board. If a stream is worth like what 0. 0.0000001 of a cent, then it needs to be that across the board. And also when if, if a stream is worth that much or that less, do you really think your million streams is going to rack up to a million dollars? I mean, this is just kind of math. Like if y'all's math add up to a million dollars of point zero 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 one of a cent, then like or a dollar or whatever it is, then no, that's not going to equal a million dollars. That's just it's not how math works. That's not how numbers work. So, yeah, streaming services aren't evil. They just are a business and a business is always a business is like a casino. The house always wins. Streaming services are going to always make sure they get the most bang for their buck that they have put into building this service. And yeah, the artist unfortunately ends up being a lot undercut, but that's business. And I think everybody that's running a business understands this. Artists who become record executives, you never hear them start complaining. You never hear them complain about you know, like other record executives after becoming a record executive because they are more than likely carrying on the same practices that those other record executives were doing, i.e. Diddy. Mace got on stage and called out Diddy for Diddy calling out white record executives. And then Mace got up there and said, well, you do the same thing. You can't really call somebody else out if you're doing the same thing. So that's kind of how I see streaming services and artists and the relationships between the two. Like an artist who signs another artist like you can't complain about that artist's streams if you own seventy five percent of their publishing and they only own twenty five percent. So yeah, their payout is go their payout is going to be a little lesser than what the streaming service gets or what the label gets or what you get because you own most of the publishing. It's all the cost of doing business and it's all business. And I guess the moral of this story would be that the music industry just needs an overhaul, <laughs> a reform. Once again, streaming services are not evil. They're just a business, man. And businesses care about their bottom line more than they care about you. And I don't think that's ever going to change. I think I deserve a lot of money at KUTX. But at the end of the day, KUTX is a business. And KUTX isn't going to pay me more than what they are bringing in. Because one, that's bad business. And yeah, like it's a business. It's a business, man. Like it's a business. It's just... It's the cost of doing business. If you want to be a musician, I think it's always said, it's said in every movie and every TV show about every kid that is in high school that wants to leave home and be a musician or be a writer or do something that is artistic. And the parents say, it will sound like you're going to be waiting tables for a while. Like you're going to be broke for a while. I think that's just the reality of being a creative and a musician. Like You're probably going to get shortchanged and you probably aren't going to make the money you think you should be making which is why most artists do something else outside of music like clothing or content creating now or i don't know open a restaurant like i think that's just that's just life that's just life man 
This episode of The Breaks Podcast is a production of KTX 989, the Austin Music Experience. You can listen to The Breaks radio show every Saturday night from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. This podcast is produced by Confucius Jones, Fresh Knight, and Elizabeth McQueen with editing help from Jack Anderson. Additional production help provided by Zara Krim. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at The Breaks KTX, and you can find more episodes at ktx.org slash The Breaks. Our theme song is by Austin artist DZ Brown.